Hi everybody, this is Michael Hildebrand and I'm your host on the Sleep Trust Podcast, where I'm talking about how to gain back trust in your ability to have a superb sleep again. In this week's episode of the Sleep Trust Podcast, we're going to talk about light. I will try to find out how we can use light and live with light in a way that really supports our sleep trust. But I will start this podcast out thanking you. It is just so fantastic to see our sleep trust community growing each and every week. I really love your questions and your feedback, so keep on dropping me emails at podcast at sleeptrust.eu and I'll promise you that we will have a question and answer episode coming next year, in the first quarter of next year. So uh, I'm really looking forward to do that one. This episode is built on three basic blocks. Block one is that we're going to have a look at what light actually is and how it gets created. Block two is that we're going to have a look at how light affects our bodies and our minds. And block three is that we're going to have a look at how we can put this information into very straightforward, simple actions to help us gain our sleep trust. But let's start off this episode by having a look at what light is. And I thought it would be a good idea to start off having a look at the definition of light in dictionaries. If you do so, you will probably find something similar to light is the natural agent that stimulates sight and makes things visible. You will probably also find definitions that include sources of light, natural and artificial ones. On the natural side, you will obviously find the sun, but also things like fire and lightning. And on the artificial side, you will find light bulbs and screens. But what really caught my attention here was that I did not find any kind of relationship between light and sleep. And that was really stunning for me because I would have wished myself uh, some kind of a definition saying light is the director of the circadian rhythm or something like that. But maybe we're just too early and maybe it's just time for a sleep trust to address this little wish to all those people who are giving out those dictionaries. Next, I wanted to find out for you how light is actually created. And this is the part where I'm really, really going deep and far out into the ocean for you. So if you have a physics background, please do not bash on me here. I'm going to keep this very high level and you may also say naive, but I hope you're going to have at least a little bit of fun and interest uh, in getting this information. So you'll really like this one. Light actually gets created through atoms when they are getting excited. And I was thinking by myself, how would it possibly look like if an atom gets excited? And as everything's basically built out of atoms, everything you can touch, so ultimately our body is built out of atoms too, I was thinking of some kind of a very, very tiny version of me getting excited. And of course, I was a little bit disappointed as... I found out that this is actually not the case, but atoms tend to get excited when they collide with each other. 
And to give you a picture how this works, um, please imagine an atom or the core of an atom uh, to be the sun in our solar, solar system. So the sun will be the core of an atom and it's called proton. And around this core, there are circling electrons, which would be the Earth, um, Mars, and so on. So when two of these systems, and, and please imagine these to be kind of rubber planets, so the sun and Earth, everything's out of rubber. Um, so when two of these systems now collide, nothing's going to break, but the electrons are going to pick up the energy and boost out of their orbit into a higher orbit. So Earth would shoot up to, let's say, Mars orbit. The problem with this is that uh, it's kind of an instable state. So Earth cannot stay in the orbit of Mars. So at some point it will drop down to its own orbit. And in this moment it will release the energy that it um, picked up before because energy is not created or destroyed, it's just there. So it has to give it back. And it does so by creating a thing called a photon, which we know as light. And this light that's produced is super fast. It's the fastest thing that we can measure and it's going through space or uh, not only through space, but also through our atmosphere with 186,282 miles per second. Imagine we could travel that quickly into our holidays. That would be great, wouldn't it? And when we talk about light, we usually mean the light that we can see with our eyes. But this is only a very small uh, part of the spectrum of light, as there are different other light types, like infrared waves, which we use in our remote controls, uh, X-rays, ultraviolet light that you probably heard of before, gamma rays, radio waves and microwaves. And they don't mean the light that's in the microwave that you can see, they actually mean the waves that heat up your meal. Coming back to the light that we actually can see, this gets measured in a unit called lux. And to give you a little feeling about the strength of light in terms of lux, uh, imagine that you're sitting in a dark room and there's only a candle uh, in this room and you're sitting about one meter away from that candle. Then we're talking about a light strength of one lux. Moving to a good illuminated uh, office room, um, we're talking about up to 500 lux. And now you're going to get a feeling for the power of nature or the power of the sun. If we were in the outside in a darkish kind of a winter day, we're talking about 3,500 lux. Um, if we were sitting in the outside in the summer, somewhere in the shade, it's about 10,000 lux. And if we're sitting in the summer, a super nice day, in the middle of the sun, we're talking about up to 150,000 lux. So that's a tremendous difference if you catch the sun outside or if you're sitting in the office. So let's move on to the next block, which is to see how our bodies and how our minds react to light. On the top level, things are very simple. So when sun rises, light comes, we wake up, and when light disappears and vanishes, we get tired and fall asleep. What happens to our bodies is that light 
hits the retina, which is in the backside of our eyes, and on the retina there are photoreceptors, which are called melanopsins. And these melanopsins are sensitive to blue light, but they also pick up light strength. So they give this information to a part of the brain called the SCN. And you can imagine the SCN to be the master clock of our bodies. So they're kind of the controller of the circadian rhythms. And as soon as it gets darker and darker, um, it gives this information to a brain part called the pineal gland. And the pineal gland starts to produce melatonin on this information, which is also known as, as the sleep hormone. Um, so after a while, uh, melatonin gets produced in our bodies, we get tired, and ultimately we fall asleep. I will add that scientists are still at the beginning of finding out what's really happening in our bodies when we fall asleep, and that melatonin is only part of this. Talking about science, I found a super interesting study I want to share with you right now. So scientists took two peer groups, put them into separate rooms, and illuminated these rooms differently. Room one was illuminated with 0.5 lux. If you remember, one lux was the uh, power of one candle. So it was kind of a darkish environment. And room number two was illuminated with 200 lux, which would be the light you would expect in your living room. They left the people in these rooms for 15 hours, so leaving there basically the whole day. And at nighttime, they got them out and put them into the exact same sleeping environment. And this sleeping environment had 200 lux uh, indirect light. And what they found out was that the peer group that came out of the darkish kind of environment had a far less melatonin production. So their bodies were not really preparing for sleep. And this is really quite interesting because it gives us the information that our brains memorize the light intensity that we get over a period of a day and adapts our body functions to this. So let's move on to block three and see how we can put this information into easy action to help us support building our sleep trust. So I'll start off with things you can do in the evening or at nighttime before you go to bed with light. Um, the first thing is that we want to uh, dim our lights before we go to bed. So we don't want to sit in, in a fully illuminated light until we go to sleep. Try to uh, put down the light intensity one, two hours before you go to bed. We also want to reduce uh, the blue parts of light, which we can do by choosing warmer light bulbs. This is kind of the more orange part of the light spectrum. Uh, and we can do so, and I know you do not want to hear this, by avoid watching TV, let's say one hour before you go to bed. So think of turning off the TV and doing something else. Uh, this is also true for smartphones and, uh, and uh, tablets. So try to not use them before you go to bed. Um, then you may also think about motion-sensitive nightlights, which can be uh, really good if you get up and go to the toilet. 
um, they'll uh, automatically register movement and turn out a light on a very low lux level. What we can do in the morning is to use a light-based alarm clock. And these alarm clocks will dim up light and your body will at some point just wake you up. And it's just a more refreshing feeling if you use a light-based alarm clock. So at least uh, for me, that worked very, very well. Um, there's one thing I want to add to this. When you are sitting, and this is kind of part of the information we got from the study, when you're sitting in a kind of darkish office, it would not be good to get home and your home to be brighter than your office because this would... Um, this will bring in the effect we have with the peer groups. You know, you come from a darker environment, going into an illuminated um, environment, and the melatonin level is not going to uh, perform as good as it could. So let's wrap up this episode real quickly. Light gets created through excited atoms and is processed in our bodies through photoreceptors called melanopsins, which lie on our retina. There is a function called the SCN in our brain, which is basically the master clock and processes all that information coming in. It also triggers the pineal gland that is responsible for the melatonin production, which is also known as the sleep hormone. The main two actions we want to take is to reduce blue light in the evening hours, which we can do by reducing our TV and smartphone consumption and to dim down light intensity one to two hours before we go to bed. That's it for this week's episode of the Sleep Trust Podcast. I hope you enjoyed yourself and that you tune in next week when we're going to talk about smartphones and code. Until then, have a superb sleep. Hey there, and thanks for listening to the Sleep Trust Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you want to get further information on this podcast or material that will help you to gain back your sleep trust, please check out sleeptrust.eu, that's sleeptrust.eu, where you will get lots of information around sleep. And here comes some legal stuff. Everything on this podcast is my opinion only, so do not take it as an advice, as I am not a doctor, nor have I considered your personal situation. If you feel that you need medical advice, please consider getting an appointment at your doctor of trust. If you want to give me any kind of feedback on this podcast, feel free to email me at podcast at sleeptrust.eu. I hope you tune in again next week and until then, have a good sleep.